The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Our world is always so rush-rush. We can never get any personal time to ourselves, let alone those that we love. Welcome to Might Radio with host Gabriella Von Ray. Our mission, to reintroduce kindness and compassion to our busy lives. Remember when life was so much simpler? Gabriella and her guests today will pick up the ball of human kindness and by doing so, empower you to make changes in your own life. And now, here is Gabriella Von Ray. Hi everyone and welcome to another Might Radio Show on this Friday the 14th. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone out there. I am doing a radio show from sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which is much better than the Midwest, where it's minus 20. We have a very, very interesting guest on the line, and his name is Keith Saffron. He is what, I, what he calls himself is a, your great dad coach, and that sounds really incredible. But he's also an author, and I really want to say before I give you the word, Keith, is I think by what you're doing, you've actually really picked up the ball of human kindness yourself. For all mm-hmm. the dads listening out there, please come back to the radio and listen to this segment. It's really important that we learn from this. Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you, and I'm happy that Nathan, our executive producer at Voice America, found you, because what you're doing is really great. But when you hear the word, your great dad coach, and your book is How to Be a Great Dad, how did you get into that? What, what is it that made you personally say, I need to teach this to everyone out there? Well, of course, like so many, it's, it's my personal story and my personal experience. I've, I've spent more than 30 years helping men from executives in business suits to inmates in jumpsuits become the men husbands and fathers that they hope to become in which their children desperately need and want them to be. Mm-hmm. So I was, a, I was a pastor for 23 years, the last eight of which I led the River Church community in San Jose, California, with a startup church that I founded with nine friends on almost no budget in my living room, and then which grew to more than a 1,000 in about a year, and hiring more than 30 staff members operating on a million-dollar budget and substantial savings bank. It was quite a leadership ride. But the best thing about it was the life transformation that so many people experience. For eight years, I was a founding board member and a fatherhood trainer for the Prison Entrepreneurship Program in Texas, coaching 600 incarcerated men to heal the psychological wounds that they experienced from broken relationships with their own fathers and then teaching them how to reach out, reconnect with, and reestablish meaningful and loving relationships with their children, even while still behind bars. I now enjoy this incredible privilege of helping transform fathers, especially busy executives, into great dads. 
which is really my own story. Um, you know, I, uh, I grew up with a dad who just wasn't around. He left when I was seven and mm-hmm. uh, was involved occasionally, would show up and take us out for a you know, really special weekend somewhere and then just disappear again for weeks, sometimes months at a time. And then over the years, there were many rejections, uh, a lot of distance. My brother died when I was 16. My brother was only 13, and my dad really uh, pulled away from me even further after that. Until after many years of rejections and sometimes years going by without any connection with him, uh, at one point he told me he never wanted to see me or talk to me again while I was in college, and then I reestablished relationship with him a few years later. You know, when I was 38 years old, Gabriella, I'd been through years of therapy at this point. I had just started my own family. I had two, two of my three sons were born at that point. They were very little. One was only two years old. The other was six months. My dad was visiting with us. He had come down to play with his new grandchildren. And uh, I really wanted to establish some kind of relationship with my dad. And I could feel myself pressing in and wanting more. Uh, I had been through enough therapy at that point, gone through enough forgiveness and healing, that I really felt like I could ask for what I wanted without demanding it from him or without, you know, huge expectation. My dad could sense it. And by the end of the afternoon, he had been with us a few hours. He was standing in my living room and he got really tense and he looked at me and he shot his arms out to each side and he raised his voice and said, what do you want from me? And as gently as I knew how, I said, I just want you to be my dad. I think he was stunned. He went silent. You could tell that he was thinking and I just kept hoping for something positive, you know, some reconnection, some hope. And he looked right back at me and, and he just said, I don't want that. Wow. And he turned around, yeah, and he walked out of my house, and he walked out of my life, and I never talked to him again. He, uh, about a year and a half later, I got a phone call from his landlord telling me that my dad had been found dead in his apartment from heart failure. And uh, I realized after that, the very last words I ever heard my dad speak were that he didn't want to be my dad. But that must be incredibly hard because here you are and you want the dad and the dad, it's, it's the final and last rejection, really. Yeah, after many, many years of rejection, that was the final piece, you know, that I just realized actually a few months ago was still sticking with me. Even after all these years of forgiveness, you know, that piece, because I think it was the last one, seemed like it was frozen in time for me. And just a a few months ago, I actually went through an experience where I had to uh, forgive my dad again for that last rejection, uh, let him go, and forgive myself for really kind of holding on to that resentment for all these years. Mm -hmm. So... But but do you also feel that the rejection that we encounter as children from our parents shape the entire future of our own lives and the future of the children that we are about to have, uh, obviously, in the future? Do you feel that that's one of the reasons that you're teaching us is because we're stuck in a rut afterwards by repeating the same history? Yeah, it's especially true, I think. Uh, it's probably true for women with their mothers as well. Definitely mm-hmm. true for men. 
uh, with our fathers, we end up, many of us, swearing that we will never be like our dads, you know, committed to doing things differently. But those vows are often easy to break. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, my, I have had experience it myself. So many of guys that I've worked with, men that I coach individually, you know, tell mm-hmm. me that all of a sudden they hear something coming out of their mouths and they think, oh, my God, they're, you know, that's my father. You know, yeah. uh, just a, not in my house, you know, or, you know, you're going to obey me because I'm the father. Things that they thought they would never say. But the problem that most of us men don't realize is that if we don't consciously have another model to follow, if we haven't consciously separated from that model we were given from our dads, if we haven't learned new techniques, new skills, new strategies for fathering, which so few men really seem to get to seek, then what are we going to do in, in that vacuum, in that void? We end up repeating the same mistakes our fathers made, things that we thought we would never do and things we've never wanted to do or say or ways that we treat our children. It really shapes us. And the other piece of your great question is that what happens in, in child development, young children are, are by nature self-centered. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that everything they learn about themselves comes from their environment. Everything that happens to them, they're learning about themselves. Very simple illustration that many of us have had children realize, if I have an infant uh, and then growing into a toddler and I point to my own nose and I say, nose, nose, trying to teach my baby, that little baby doesn't look at me and think, oh, my dad's pointing to his nose, right? What my little baby does is he points to his own nose and says, nose. He's learning about himself. Yeah. And so if I'm criticizing, if I'm angry, if I'm impatient, if I'm saying an unkind or cruel things to my child, and if I leave in those early age years, what that child learns is that she learns that she is not lovable or she has done something wrong or worse, there's something wrong with her. Mm-hmm. And she or that little boy, they carry those feelings all their lives until they're consciously dealt with, healed, yeah. and let go of. But do you also feel that some of these children that then become adults don't even know, probably until they meet someone like you that coaches them through it, that there was all that pain? Because most people, you know, I think it's inherent in all of us to try and push it away and to at least try to look at the light and the bright yeah. side of life and just try to forget whatever was in the past. Yeah. And so a lot of us don't even know the pain or whatever it is that we're feeling. So it's hard yeah, to deal it's... with when we push it away. That's kind of what I'm trying to say. Until we, we are confronted in a, in a workshop like you, where you suddenly listen and go, oh, but that's what I've been doing. Oh, you know that kind of reaction. Do you have that a lot? Yeah, people I do. I do. Yeah, and I think at least two things often trigger that. One is repeated failures or mistakes, you know, that mm-hmm. you just keep, you keep falling into the same pattern uh, mm-hmm. in relationships with your children. You keep getting angry. You keep becoming impatient. You keep saying things you don't want to say until finally you say, what is going on? Like, what's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing these same things that I don't want to do. 
and then in addition, or a second thing, is often, as you said, being exposed to someone, some sort of experience, some sort of teaching that allows you to begin looking inside with a different reflection. Maybe, for me, many men hear my story with my dad, and I, of course, in my workshops, I tell it in much mm-hmm. more detail, and in my book, I detail it much more than I was able to today. But when men start hearing what I experienced with my dad, and then I begin to talk at length about how that affected me, how that affected my relationships with women, how, that, how I used to sabotage my own success in business, how um, I had this constant undercurrent in my life of sadness, that no matter what happened, no matter what good things happened, no matter how happy I would get for a short time, it's like I would always be drawn back to this dark and sad place in my life. So when many men hear that and and they see me and I'm a I'm a pretty physically I'm a big guy I'm six foot two two hundred and ten pounds I played uh, rugby in college and football in college I played I was a national champion you know so I'm a I'm a big kind of guy I'm sort of a you know I'm so when men often look at me they see me as a more of a big kind of manly man and yet when I'm willing to open my heart and talk openly and share feelings, it creates a safe space for other men to say, oh my goodness, like I I have that sadness in my life or I've sabotaged my business success as well. Or, and it, it begins to open a conversation that most men rarely, if ever, get to have. Yep, absolutely. No, I, I believe that too. And, and tell me, do a lot of people to go through this, when, when you miss a parent, the way you're describing that you have an absentee father and a father who actually doesn't want to be a father, would, would you say that the younger generation and the generation today looks for um, uh, teachers or someone in their environment that could take over that role? Well, you know, it's... It's a little bit mixed, Gabriella, because so many of the younger fathers today, particularly in their 20s, uh, early 30s, many of them did not have good relationships with their fathers. Uh, many of them, like myself, had dads who abandoned them or rejected them. And if someone has not come more present to that wounding, if they have mm-hmm. not been able to embrace it, talk about it, feel it... What actually ends up happening in many cases is that these young men uh, are still wounded. They're still hurt. They're still angry. And it's not easy to look to an older man for much of anything, whether it's in business or relationships. Uh, There is often a sense that many older men trigger that wound if they're not aware that it's there. And so even though they may know that they don't know how to father, they want help fathering, there's sort of an internal conflict that makes it difficult for them to reach out to an older man uh, and to to embrace, as you said, kind of a father figure. Um, And so it's one of the reasons I do the work that I do and why I wrote the book that I did, the first half of the book, is really giving uh, men practical fathering skills. The second half of the book is dealing with this father wound. It's opening our hearts uh, so that as we become more whole, more healthy men, we're then able to give more to our children because you cannot give out of a vacuum. 
You know, you, no, you I cannot have... give what you do not possess. Absolutely. So I tried to help men heal just to, to gain those internal resources that then they're able to turn around and give in loving and meaningful ways to their children. Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit more about that right after this commercial break, okay, Keith? You bet. We'll be right back, everyone. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. Family caregivers face some tough challenges every day in caring for a partner, parent, child, sibling, friend, neighbor, or even co-worker. You are there to provide the care that these people need after everyone else has gone home. Family Caregivers Unite with Dr. Gordon Atherley will provide you with a social networking experience. You'll hear from experts and others who are experiencing the same things. And together, you will promote a common cause. Tune in to Family Caregivers Unite twice every week, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety and on the Voice America Empowerment Channel every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G-A-B-R-I-E-L-L-A-V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. And for any of you that are just tuning in, we are talking to Keith Safran, an author, and he is a your great dad coach. Keith, we were just in the middle of a conversation where we got rudely interrupted for a commercial break. <laughs> kidding. But no, I really liked what you were saying because this this thing that you're telling us that a father if if you miss your father and then you become in adulthood that in your workforce everyone who is a little bit older and the father figure you actually 
react against them, right? And you might not have any idea that you're reacting against them. So how does that work for a young man in the workforce? It must be terrible, actually. Well, it, it is. I, I experienced that for many years. And it depends on what your particular relationship with your dad was like and what that wound is like. So for me, as mm-hmm. I was explaining, I had so many rejecting experiences, my dad rejecting me, that I, I carried this fear of rejection. Because as I was saying earlier, children learn about themselves from their environment and their experiences. So what I took away... One of the things I took away from my early childhood experiences with my dad was that there must have been something wrong with me because good dads, loving dads, don't reject their children. And, of course, it's not, it's not safe for a child to believe there's something wrong with their parents. So instead, what so many children do, what psychologists teach us, is that we interject that pain or what we do is we, we make ourselves the one who is bad. So instead of saying, you know, instead of as a child, me thinking, gosh, my dad is not a very loving person, or my dad has his own problems, I didn't think that. Of course, what I thought was, there's something wrong with me. I must have caused my dad to reject me. So, of course, if that's my self-concept, as I grow older and I go into school situations and later into business situations, I'm now carrying this fear that if I do something wrong, I'm going to be rejected. So each time I have a review at work or each time my manager walks in or I'm talking to the owner of the company, I just have this constant fear of rejection. I don't realize that I am projecting my pain, my childhood experience into this new situation, which may not even be there. Absolutely. Um, and, and tell me a little bit, all these things that you're explaining to us, you wrote all that in the book? When people would buy the book, would they be able to read your story and in it basically yeah. um, how you can become a better dad? Do you have yeah. all the examples in there? I do, many. It's a very practical wow. book in that way. It's, I tell lots okay. of my own stories. I tell stories of other men that I have coached or am currently coaching, uh, with their permission, of course. And the first half of the book, again, you know, I teach three core fathering practices that all men can master and all children need. Second half of the book is where I go deeper into mastering our own psychology, where I tell the story of, of my relationship with my dad and how that wounding affected me, crippled me in many ways from becoming kind of man and uh, husband and father that I wanted to be. It, and I tell my story of learning more uh, how to forgive my dad, how to have more mm-hmm. compassion toward his story, realizing that he was a wounded son as well, and then learning to actually reparent myself as I parent my own children. So there is quite a bit in the book that would help men in those ways. Absolutely. And I have an interesting question. When you were talking, do you give workshops to boys, too, when they're young, actually, that are in these situations to learn at an earlier stage in life uh, how to deal with it? I don't currently. I spent 10 years working with high school students. uh, And one of the things that I found as I did is that this kind of work is very, very difficult to do with young people for a couple of reasons. One is that they're not very developed yet 
in thinking this abstractly and being able to process um, the kind of pain that we're talking about. And secondly, and one of the reasons why they're not, is that they have to go back into the homes that are often creating the problem. And what, what I learned was that in working with the younger people, I actually, the best thing I could do for them was actually teach them more coping skills than actual healing. Yep. That, that, that they needed to learn how to survive in the situation they were in and to, to realize this is not their problem, as difficult as that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the real healing work, I think, for many, needs to take place later in their lives as they have, both, yep. they have physical separation from their parents and then can get some more emotional separation as well. True. But it's almost sad that we have to teach children coping skills. You know, we're 2014. You, you think we've learned by now how important it is to rear children with a lot of love and a good, solid foundation, right? So it right. And, makes me you know, sad when I hear that. Well, and that's why you and I are both doing the work that we are. Yeah, I know. You know? And um, I have a very interesting question here that someone wrote down that is listening to this conversation. And she wrote down the question, what is the difference between a father coach and a parenting coach? And that's a pretty good question, actually. I didn't think of yeah. it. Very good question. Because of my experience, and because uh, one of the let me give you a little more history to answer that question even more uh, more mm-hmm. clearly. Uh, I, I spent eight, uh, six years again uh, working with men in prisons, and I worked with I coached six hundred men over that six year period. My expertise and my story really are about the wounds that men carry because of relationships, particularly with their fathers. Um, And I also believe that, you know, it's men who perpetuate this problem. It's men who create so many of the really negative problems that we experience in the world related to violence and war and pornography. and, And so if we can heal the men, everyone's going to benefit. So to the question, a parenting coach... Uh, I have friends who are parenting coaches who coach everyone. Most parenting coaches actually work with women. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for a man to admit, first of all, that he needs coaching, and then secondly, sure. pursue it. And so in order for a man to pursue a parenting coach, sometimes there are hurdles that he has to get over knowing that that coach, most of their clients are women. And so by focusing my coaching just upon men, what I'm tra- one of the things I'm trying to do is create a safe place for men to say, okay, this is for me. Like I can go here and ask for and get the help that I need as a man. Sure. Men want to know that the coach that they seek specifically understands their issues, can answer their questions, to solve their problems. And sometimes, although it's often, it may not be true, many of us men might think that a parenting coach who normally works with women may not have the stuff that I need. Yeah. 
I actually really understand that because, you know, it's like a child from a multicultural background relates to me because I'm from a multicultural background. And, uh-huh. and it's not the same if you have someone in front of you that hasn't experienced that. So I yeah. can understand that in your case, that they really want someone who's been there and who can guide them with a compassion and empathy through what it is that they're going to go through, identical to what you did. So I, I yeah. absolutely understand that. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I didn't know at all that parenting coach was usually a woman. I, I didn't actually think of that. But yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It, it usually is, and it uh, and be, they end up drawing women because I, stereotypically speaking, women are usually much more open to seeking help. You know, knowing yeah. that. You know, us men kind of have this lone ranger mentality that we we feel inadequate. And again, this goes back to our fathers. Those of us yep. who didn't feel that our fathers were proud of us, we're now out the rest of our lives trying to show that we matter, trying to prove to our fathers that we're adequate, that we that they should have been proud of us. And one of the things that does is it mixes with our masculinity in a kind of a strange way so that we feel like we can't ever ask for help. You know, the... The joke, of course, is that we men never even ask for directions, right, when we're lost. Yeah. Hey, I but the same, the same, the same thing is true about coaching. You know, it's very hard for a man to go and seek coaching for parenting. And so it's helpful when, when, men, when I talk with men and they realize that every client of mine, every man I coach, everyone I coach is a man, I think it creates this, this feel of safety. You know, they feel like, okay, this guy understands what I'm going through. I can talk to him. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really important. We will be right back, Keith, after this commercial break. Okay. us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Listen for Trust Across America every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in as host Jordan Kimmel is joined by national experts in the fields of accounting, finance, organizational behavior, and sustainability, as well as companies that are applying strategies that are enabling them to be recognized as doing the right thing by the American Trust Awards. Your host Jordan Kimmel is himself a trusted professional with years of experience in applying strategies and consulting with today's leading firms. Trust Across America is heard Wednesdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? 
Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com. Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. So, Keith, we were just talking um, about, about the fathers and how to become a great father, but there was something that you mentioned earlier, and I would like to really go into that in depth, is what are the three dangerous trends? that executives and other busy dads have, actually, on a daily basis, and which creates the disconnection, basically, between them and their children. Great. What are those three trends, or several trends? Yeah, well, the three that I, I typically address with men in my yeah. coaching is, uh, I, I, the third, the third most important is that significant demands at work mean little time for your family. You know, the statistics are staggering strained, ineffective, or absent relationships between fathers and children are linked to 63% of youth suicides, 71% of pregnant teenagers, 71% of all high school dropouts, 75% of all adolescents in chemical abuse centers, and a staggering 85% of all youth now sitting in prison. All of those connected to strain, ineffective, or absent relationships between fathers and children. And so what I tell the men I coach is that you need to be aware. You know, you can prevent your children from being at risk of such tragic consequences of father absence, but you need to be ruthlessly honest with yourself and realize that this this is no small issue. It's pandemic in our executive culture today. So the third is, is uh, significant demands at work mean little time for your family. The second okay. thing is about going it alone, um, fathering in isolation. You know, so many of us men um, really have this independent mindset that, uh, you know, we don't need help. We're not going to seek help. We're not going to ask for it. We want to figure it out ourselves. Um, we're used to flying solo. You know, we're kind of independent by nature, um, and it, it's difficult. But if you think about it, how well does that work for us in business? I mean, very few solopreneurs become truly successful without education, coaching, and a team. And all of us need great people around us. And that success team usually includes mentors, and coaches, you know, the men I've worked with tell me that they, uh, they have experienced the benefits of coaching in business and likely in sports 
you know, we all know that there is no Olympic athlete like we're seeing now in the Winter Olympics. There is no Olympic athlete who would ever consider training without an experienced and successful coach. Yeah, but when it absolutely. comes to fathering, you know, when it comes to fathering, so many of us, particularly busy executives, uh, we just go it alone. We're fathering in isolation with no help from the outside. But is it also about pride a little bit with men? Uh, I, yeah. I kind of think that, but maybe I'm totally wrong here. That's well, it is, it, is, it is a form of pride. I don't know that it's necessarily like the most obvious kind of pride. I think it relates, as I was saying earlier, this lack of affirmation from our fathers, the lack you know, that so many of us just didn't get what we needed, that we don't... Let <coughs> I me mean, put it this way. I was talking with, a, you know, there was a 65-year-old man that I saw interviewed the other day, and he was asked the question, you know, what do you wish your father had said to you? And again, remember, he's 65 years old. His father had long passed away. But he got tears in his eyes, and he said, I wish my father had told me he was proud of me. Tears in his eyes at 65 years old. And that man was telling the story of millions of men in our country today. We didn't know that our dad was proud of us. And so to compensate for that pain, so many of us are out trying to prove ourselves, you know, trying to become more, do more. It's, I think it's part of the undercurrent of why so many of us are pressed and driven to succeed to gain more, to buy more, to have more. You know, we're propping ourselves up to, to convince ourselves and our fathers that we're not as bad as we feel like our dads thought or said we were. So in that sense, it's a kind of pride, you know, that we're thinking of ourselves, but it's not just the, like the proud, macho man, as much as, it, in my opinion, is often the man who is wounded and needs to is not willing to face that pain yet. And, and do you think uh, this is easier? I know it's not your, your, that you don't work with women, but would you say that women are more likely to go and get help in comparison to men? Well, it's what the statistics show. Yeah. 80% of the self-help books that are bought in our country are purchased by women. Wow, okay. You know, most therapists' offices are filled with women. The funny part, though, is all my male friends go to workshops and courses, the, the ones that I have, personally, yeah. always go. And I do not know very many women that go because they're always busy <laughs> parenting <laughs> well, and doing good. all those things. But, but you're you, right. I think even in churches, it's the women who said that to me yesterday. Someone said to me yesterday, you know, if it wasn't for the women in church that start instantly to, you know, gather donations and do things for someone in the congregation. It's yes. always the women that start it. And, and, and men are willing to help, but they're not the ones that are starting it. So, yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting to know. But when yeah. you talk about all this wounding that someone has and a 65-year-old, like you just described, that um, would have loved for his father to say, I'm proud of you. How do you heal this man of not hearing these words? Yes. How? I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure I can wrap my head around that. How? How do you 
lift him up, literally lift him up so that he can soar yeah. without that? Well, it, it, uh, it requires many pieces. It, it takes time. It takes new levels of affirmation, love, exploration. I detail that in my book. I, I tell my own story and I tell men, you know, it's not one size fits all. Your journey may be different than mine, but here, here are the steps that I went through over time. And for me, it took years. I was on a coaching call this morning with a man that I'm working with, and he is so locked up in his emotions. He was, he was adopted as a child. He did not have a close relationship with his father. He told me that he can only remember one or maybe two times that his adoptive father ever hugged him or told him that he was proud of him or that he loved him. And so here he is now as an adult. He has four children himself. He doesn't know how to express love to his children. He doesn't know how to, to be physically affectionate with them. He doesn't even know how to maintain a feeling of feeling good about himself. So this morning, he, he has made incredible progress in the last few weeks about very specific things that I'm coaching him to do with his children to draw closer to them. And so I'm celebrating with him on our coaching call and cheering him on and telling him how great he did, how proud I am of him. And I could see a tear forming in his eye and he started to look away from the screen. We were on Skype this morning. He's looking away from the screen. And I said to him, I said, you're having a hard time receiving this, aren't you? And he said, yes. He said, it's very hard for me to hear you praise me. He said, but it feels so good. Yeah. It, it feels so good. And so, you know, he is allowing me as his coach, as his great dad coach, to have this sort of father figure healing role in his life. I work with men for a whole year at a time. And so I have time over this year with him to continue to speak words like this of, of praise, of love, cheering him on. I have opportunity to speak these kind of words into his life in a way that his own father never did. And I do hope that that's going to be part of his healing experience. Yeah, absolutely. And then he can put it to practice instantly with his own children. Is that exactly, part of the healing exactly what he's doing, right. Say that again? Would you say that when, when, when these men come to your workshops, they, whatever it is, the part that they heal or the part that they forgive, can they put it into practice immediately on their own boys or, or daughters? They absolutely can, because especially in my workshops, because, you know, I have men for a whole day, uh, it's not just about me speaking to them. We actually yeah. do exercises together where they're feeling these things in their body. And I give them very practical um, applications where, for instance, one of the skills that I teach men is how to speak words of affirmation to their children, how to praise them, how to, how to notice things that they're doing right and to affirm them for it. And so one of the things that we do is we actually sit down and write a letter of affirmation to our children right there in the workshop. So when they leave... They have a letter already written that they're going to go home and give to one of their children. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so they, so the immediately they have, they have ways to connect with and bond with their children uh, as soon as they get home. Absolutely. All right. We need one more commercial break, Keith, and we'll be right back. 
Okay. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. What does creme de la creme mean? It's the greatness of living, the willingness to be the best. It's living beyond what you know is possible with no limitation. Access Consciousness presents Creme de la Creme, a program that empowers you to choose and create the life you would like to have and entices you into being who you are, not who others would have you be. It's the best of the best. It's the finer things in life. It's brilliant. It's fun. It's exciting. Join us for Creme de la Creme every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Might Radio. Do you have a question or comment for our show? Perhaps you wish to share your own stories of human kindness. Please send an email to Gabriella Von Ray at gmail.com. That's G A B R I E L L A. V-A-N-R-I-J at gmail.com Now, back to Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray. Hi, Keith. I'm glad we're back, and I'm so sorry we only have 15 minutes left, and there's so much I still want to ask you, but one of the things we forgot, and this is not at all, you only said two of the dangerous trends. So what is the third one? Okay. Yeah, the third really is uh, the most important, uh, <laughs> and that is that so many of the, so many fathers, busy executives, busy dads, get stuck fathering uh, on autopilot. We're stuck in wait and react mode. I mean, countless busy executives are so worn out mentally, emotionally, sometimes even physically after another long day of travel, intense planning meetings, budget, funding issues. People interactions, they just don't have much of anything left when they finally come through the door to greet their families. You know, many busy dads want to collapse and recharge or not be in charge again or have to discipline children, help with homework or household chores or invest in potentially emotionally taxing discussions. You know, many of us easily slip into cruise control. We simply yeah. react to what's happening around us. We often not in a clear, controlled, thoughtful, or helpful manner. Our anger or impatience can be easily triggered. We're sometimes short with our wives or children. Some of us drink. Some of us numb out with TV, music, or in electronic toys. But if you're going to be a father who makes a positive difference in the lives of your children, if you're going to prevent your children from being at risk from the father absence statistics mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. then you need a plan. 
You know, you need a plan, a, a very clear and specific plan, just like a business plan at work. How are you going to become the father that you want to be and that your kids need and long for you to be? So here's a... So I teach in my book, in my coaching situations with clients, in my workshops, I teach a very simple three-stage plan that we're not going to have time to go into now, unfortunately. But I teach men affirmation, acceptance, and affection. We've talked a little bit about affirmation already, speaking and writing words of affirmation, specific words of praise about our children's character, uh, more than their performance or their appearance. I teach men how to accept their children no matter what. You know, even though they may disagree or disapprove of a certain behavior or friendship or or uh, the way a child is speaking, you can disapprove of a behavior but still accept the child. So I work with men on that. And then affection, both uh, physical and spoken words of affection. Uh, to communicate the love that we want our children to feel. And how, how big do your workshops need to be? Let's let's say that uh, tomorrow someone contacts me and says, you know, I have a small company, we would like to do this. How, how many minimum do you need to do a workshop? You know, it, it really depends on the situation. I am so happy to go in, particularly in a situation that you mentioned where there's a, a specific company where they may have 10 or 15 dads uh, or, or a group, even an executive leadership team. Uh, okay. I w- I'd love to meet with those guys. My workshops, you know, the live workshops I do, you know, tend to be a little bit bigger. But if I can go into a situation in a company and speak to a team, a leadership team, um, love to do that. And any anyone can contact me. Uh, with that kind of invitation on my website. We haven't mentioned my website okay. yet. Perhaps it would be a good time. It's simply www.thegreatdadsproject. Dads is plural. Thegreatdadsproject.org. .org. And what is .org. also very much needed, Keith, um, please tell people that are listening how they can buy your book and where they can buy your book. If you have a link okay. to that's yeah, well, on the, on the website, you know, you, you can either go to my website, thegreatdadsproject.org, and you'll mm-hmm. see a, a picture, an image of the book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had. That's the title of the book. So for all of us men, no matter what kind of relationship we have with our dads, uh, I try to teach men how they, they can become the dad that they wish they had had. So you can go to my website, and you'll see an image of the book. If you click on that image, uh, it will take you to more information about the book if you want to read about the book. Or right under the image, you'll see another image that says Amazon. And if you click on that, it will take you to the Amazon page, or you can go directly to Amazon and just search for the book, How to Be a Great Dad, No Matter What Kind of Father You Had, or my name, Keith Zafrin, Z-A-F-R-E-N. And you can order the book from Amazon. And then again, on my website, thegreatdadsproject.org, on the main page, if you look at the menu bar on the far right, there is a link called Upcoming Events. Okay. And if you click on that, you'll see that I have a live webinar coming up in April, a live mm-hmm. workshop, an all-day workshop in June, 
and then a three-day event called Healing the Father Wound that will be happening in November. And if you contact me through that link, on, it says, please contact us. It's a link to my contact page. I will get you information as soon as registration becomes available for those events. Fantastic. I have a question that we didn't discuss at all. Um, do you do one-on-one coaching? Oh, yes. That's primarily what I do. I, I also okay. lead small groups of men. Uh, we just had a small group coaching experience Wednesday night with a wonderful group of men. But most of my clients are one-on-one. Lots of men prefer that. Uh, and, in fact, I would love to offer to anyone listening to this call, Gabriella, a free gift. I would love to do a free, a free session with anyone who has heard this call, any of the men who have resonated with some of my story or some of the, the dangerous trends that we've discussed. Uh, if there's a man who's listening to this call and you would like a free one-hour session, a strategic coaching session with me, contact me uh, through my website on the contact page. You can also email me, Keith at thegreatdadsproject.org. Keith is K-E-I-T-H. And we'll set up a time to, to have a free coaching session to help you uh, really get to where you want to be. Okay, that's good to know. And I'm glad uh, I asked you that question because I can imagine that people really would like to know. I will, uh, when I put the segment up on Facebook and LinkedIn, I will make sure that we make a mention of that. So when they listen to that, if they want to know more, that they can get a free session from you. Wonderful. That's that's very good of you to offer that. Is there something in the last four minutes that you would like to leave the listener with? Is there something, you know, if there's a dad listening that just doesn't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now for himself, what is it that you could tell to maybe give that little bit of kindness and hope that we should definitely need? And that's exactly what I had in mind when you said, is there anything I'd like to leave them with? I always tell dads, it is never, never, never too late. Remember, I I mentioned the 65-year-old man who still feels the pain of never being told by his dad that he was proud of him. If that dad were still alive and if that dad had somehow been able to make a turn in his own life and come back to his 65-year-old son, and been able to say to him, son, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. It, would have made, it would have made that man's life. It's never too late. I had a man in uh, a workshop recently who has a, a grown son. I think he's 35 years old. And the feedback I got from Skip, the, the man in my workshop, he said to me, you've taught me it's never too late. No matter how old our children are, I can go back and I can still affirm him, accept him, and show affection. And he said, that's what I got out of the workshop today. And he says, I'm going to do it. So it's it's never too late. No matter what kind of mistakes you've made or you think you've made, no matter how distant you might feel from your children today, if Mm -hmm. you can learn these fathering skills, if you can get the coaching you need to become the father you want to be, your children will love to receive the gift that you want to give of yourself. I can help you do that. Whether Absolutely. it's through the book or through the coaching, I would love to help you become the dad that you long to be. 
fantastic. I thank you so much, Keith, for being on the show. And I tell you one thing, Keith, we haven't even scratched the surface of what you're teaching. So if you don't mind, I'm going to put you back on the show. We are going to talk a little bit more of what you, especially what you did uh, and what you learned from inmates, and a little bit more on the statistics because they are staggering. I hear music in my ear, which means we are truly at the end of our show. But like I said, we're going to have to bring you back because this is very interesting. And for the listener out there, take advantage of what Keith is offering. Um, Your great dad coach, Keith Zaffron. I thank you very much. And Mike Radio, we are back next week with another guest who always picks up the ball of human kindness. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week. Might Radio with Gabriella Von Ray can be heard every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week, and until our next show, think of a random act of kindness that you can perform.